You're listening to Acts, the beginnings of the Christian Church, a sermon series by the young adults of Calvary Tabernacle. For more information, visit us online at www.yacalvarytabindy.org. I'm sure everyone's heard by now um, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm trying to start this lesson off good, but I had a crazy idea. I was going to say, I'm sure you've all heard by now that uh, Brother Pedigo was gunned down last night. And they have Brother Mooney captive. And after church today, they're going to do away with him too. Y'all heard that? Well, it's because it's not true. That's the reason you haven't heard it. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is this is. I'm just taking this right from scripture. <laughs> For all of you that are in women of the Bible, you've already had this lesson. <laughs> you can leave now. You had your donut. Go. <laughs> That's what some of them do anyway. They come get their donut and they leave. Ah! <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, this is going to be one great lesson. <laughs> and you may be seated. Katie, are you sure you don't want to teach? Sister Collins came in this morning. We were saying, are you ready to teach? And she's like, it's not my week. Not my. We're like, well, yeah, it's your week. It's your week. I said, I've been an ax all week. It's got to be yours. We're just lying, lying, lying. And we all stand and repent. <laughs> or maybe I need to repent. And... Anyway, we're going to go to Acts chapter 12. Pick up, we're picking up again on the book of Acts uh, it's taken us five years to get to chapter 12, but today we are going to finish chapter 12. How about that? In Jesus' name. <laughs> Most interesting story takes place here. Uh, <clears throat> we, have, we have a major, major division. We have the apostolic church and, that are Jews, for the most part. And we have the Jewish nation, and the two of them don't seem to get along too well. Uh, and the reason they don't get along is because of Jesus Christ. And the New Testament church has decided they're going to stick with him regardless, and they have, and they are paying a price. We all remember uh, Jesus' top three apostles, who were they? Peter, James, oh, come on. I've got Bible college students in here. Who are they? Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. But I am here to tell you this morning that the inner circle is down to two because James has been beheaded. That's the reason I came in here this morning. I said, did you hear about Brother Pedagogy? Wouldn't be funny, Susie. 
That sounds so absolutely foreign to us. But I want you to imagine what the church is going through right now. One of the top leaders of the church has been beheaded by Herod and the Jewish nation, so to speak, that is so at odds with the church. There were several forms of death for Jews. Uh, they would stone a person to death. We remember Stephen being stoned, burning, strangling. And one of the other ways that they would uh, carry out death was beheading. And one of the groups of people that would be beheaded would be people that uh, would introduce people to strange worship and religion. And so I suppose James fit into this category. We don't have the entire story of the life of James, that James that was in that inner circle. We don't know what he did, but somehow he frustrated the uh, Jewish people so much so that they got Herod to behead him. And when Herod sees that uh, it made the Jews really happy, he decided he was going to make them even happier and he was going to go for the top dog. And so he went for Simon Peter and he gets Simon Peter and he throws him in prison and he intends after Easter to take off his head too. And so you and I cannot relate to this. You know, and I even got up here and I, you know, jokingly said, hey, do you hear what happened to Brother Pettigrew? Did you know they've got Brother Mooney now and after church today they're going to let him have it. That sounds so foreign to us. That's so crazy. It would never happen here. But it happened there. And all I can say to you is that I've tried my best from time to time to get into the mind of the church right now. Now, I know that our foreign missionaries and uh, the Foreign Missions Board could probably tell us stories about nationals uh, national leaders that maybe things like this have hap have had happened. I can't talk this morning. It's happened there, okay? But we in America, this is so this is so foreign to us. But what would we do if something like this took place? What would we do? I ask you that question. What would you do? Would you be sitting here this morning, or would you be hiding at home? That's a great question. I thought so, too. What are we going to do? What would we do? Let's hope it never happens. But what would we do if true persecution came to the American church? What would I do? Am I gutsy enough? Or would I run and hide? And so that is the beginning of our story. Simon Peter is uh, alive. I'm not sure how well he's in prison. Uh, it will be just a matter of days, and they're going to take care of him like they've taken care of uh, James. Now, but I find a very neat little uh, sentence found in parentheses in chapter 12, verse 2. And I love the writer Luke because uh, it's, it's kind of cool what he does. He says in parentheses, Then 
were the days of unleavened bread. And I think there may be kind of a double meaning there. The days of unleavened bread was a celebration of the deliverance from Egypt. And the timing is just too good because we're getting ready to see another deliverance and a celebration of that deliverance. Um, So what did the church do at this particular time? They did what any church should do, and that is they went to prayer. Look at somebody and say they went to prayer when there was trouble. They went to prayer. Now, we all should be prayer warriors. We should pray all the time. We should pray without ceasing. We should have a mind that's always on God. But there are those times when uh, situations drive us to our knees. And my guess is if somebody had Brother Haney somewhere and they were, they were threatening to kill him, my guess is that today the church would be in a prayer meeting. My, my, I mean, I would hope. If that somebody had me, I would sure hope that somebody would say, let's well, we say a little prayer for Sister Barkas. No, I would hope that you would go into travail for me. And so we have a church here that goes to prayer. They met in the home of Mary, and it was not Mary the mother of Jesus. It was Mary who was the mother of John Mark. What we know about her is that she was most likely what we know about her, what we most likely know. Okay, whatever. Uh, Most people believe that she was a widow. She was a wealthy widow that had a home large enough to have this prayer meeting of uh, the saints that were left in Jerusalem. Uh, It appears that she had servants. Uh, She was the mother of John Mark. John Mark uh, was a, a young man that traveled with Uh, Paul and Barnabas went on missionary journey. He wrote the book of Mark. Um, The other thing we know about her is that she opened her home to the church unselfishly. She didn't consider the things that she owned was just her own, but she was willing to share, Uh, which is is an awesome thing. It's It's an awesome attribute to have in our spirit. When the Lord blesses us with something, he doesn't just bless us with something for ourselves, but he blesses us with something so we can share it with others. That's the way the Lord works. He said, you know, that goes all the way back to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I am going to bless you. You in turn are going to bless others. Others are going to bless others. And the world will in turn be blessed. That's what it's all about in the church. And so we have a lady here in Acts chapter 12 who is very unselfish, opening her home. She's hospitable. And the other thing that... (coughs) I think can be said about her, and I really like this part, and that is that she must have been a strong woman of faith. If you remember, the church has been scattered, and I believe that that was divine, uh, because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So I think persecution, I don't think persecution was of God, but I believe that there was a result uh, that was good that came from persecution and people scattered and the gospel was preached. But there were some people that just dug in their heels and said, I'm not moving. I don't care what the devil does. I don't, know, I don't care what comes at me. 
I am not going to flee persecution. And I think we have that in the life of Mary. Mary says, I'm staying here. This is my home. You, if you want to get it, you come take it. Uh, I, I like people that are like that. She reminds me of the Old Testament Jochebed that said, me throw my child into the river. Sorry, buddy. It's not going to happen just like that. So there are times when I believe that we have to look the devil in the face and say, uh-uh. sorry, it's not going to happen that way. She was a woman of prayer. To have had a prayer meeting in her home, she was a woman, I believe, that believed that there was a God in heaven that could change circumstances. We pray because we believe that there's a God in heaven that can do his work in our lives. And there are times when the enemy will come at us and we will either cower to him, we'll either give up, or we'll stand up and say, I'm not going to take it because there is a power higher than you. And you can fall on your face and ask the Lord to help. There are those times when we need intercessory prayer. There's those morning prayers where I say, good morning, Lord. It's sun, the sun is shining. Thank you for a wonderful day. I'm eating my breakfast. Bless that too, that bagel that I just ate. Help it not to go to the fat of my body, but just the nourishment. And then you hop in your car and you run and do your, your job. You all know what I'm talking about? There's times when you sit down to your afternoon meal and say, thank you, Jesus, for providing this food. In Jesus' name, amen. There's times when you see your child go off. Well, you guys don't know anything about that. But it's a time when you go off to school or off to work and you say, Jesus, go with me. Amen. And then there's those times when life smacks you right upside the head. And you have to fall on your knees in intercessory. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever just been before the Lord weeping and crying and almost begging him for your help, for his help? There's those times when we do that by ourselves, and then there's those times when we come together and we pray like that together. And many times I wonder how much have we missed in our lives by not doing that more? Do I need some catastrophe to happen in my life to force me to get down and pray till I get an answer? I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but, you know, life is so good, and I'm so blessed, and sometimes, and I don't want this to be negative, this lesson's not negative at all, but how many times is life just so easy and I just am on easy street and God is good and God is great and thank you, Jesus, for this and that and something else. And it takes something that rocks my personal world to make me really get down and pray. I told the girls the other day um, about my little niece, Megan, which I, I've talked about in here. She was, she was born and she ended up having the number four bleeding on her brain. Um, she had cerebral palsy. She still does. Uh, and the doctors, it, basically, they, they felt like she would be the little kid in the wheelchair that mom would have to feed her and, you know, through the straw and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when we got that, that word, it rocked my world. 
that little two and a half pound, well, she looked like a frog, baby. She really did as a gospel church. She was all sprawled out, and you'd have just seen her first time and go, is that uh, evolution? Yeah. But when you hear your little niece is going to face that, it rocked my world. And I will never forget face down on the carpet begging and asking God for help. Because I knew that he could help. And guess what? He did. That little kid is in uh, Calvary Christian School in the second grade. Uh, she had a seizure last year and she was over at my sister's in Cincinnati and they took her to Cincinnati Children's Hospital and the doctors came out and said, now tell us a little bit about her. Now we know that she is mentally challenged. Some were like, really? Man, you know something we don't know. Uh, and they're like, well, you know, she's, and we're like, no, she's in a regular school in a regular class. They're, say, they're like, no, 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 I'm sure she's not. And they're like, yes, I'm sure she is. They said, well, would you like to see the x-rays? <laughs> My sister said, sure, I'd like to see them. That whole part of her brain is just black. But I have a God that has answers when the doctors don't have answers. I have a God that I can go to when I'm in turmoil and and, and I'm all upset. There's a God that has answers. And I don't know what maybe you're going through today, but maybe you just need to try some good old intercessory prayer. And so we go back to our story here, and the church, it's under attack. James is beheaded. Peter's in custody. And there's no room here for saying, well, he's God Almighty and he knows everything. If he, uh, if he wanted to save Peter, he would have done it. You know, look what he did to James. You know, the Lord just stood by and let him behead James. There was no time for that. There was time for saying, God, we put our lives in your hands, but we're asking you for your help here. And so they did that. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And so going to Simon Peter now, he's in prison and he is surrounded by, the Bible says, four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. That means there were 16 men, four sets of soldiers, four uh, soldiers each. To guard one man. That goes to show you that they had a prisoner that they did not want to get out of that prison. And one of the reasons is because if you go back to Acts, I believe it's chapter 5, the angel of the Lord's already delivered him from prison one other time. So they're like, we are determined he's not going anywhere. So the night before his execution, the Bible tells us that Peter is sleeping between two of these soldiers bound with two chains. And I look at that story and I go, he's sleeping? And tomorrow they're going to take his head off? Now, I'm telling you, I, I, I can't say that I would be asleep at this point in time. Anybody here be asleep? How do you sleep when you're really nervous? Oh, a couple of you. Man, I, I wish I had your spirit. If I'm nervous, I'm awake and I'm, you know, pleading the blood of Jesus. I remember I used to be afraid of flying on an airplane. 
And I remember we were getting ready to fly home from Fort Myers, and all you pink dresses can leave because I know you have to go sing. You're going to miss the best part of the lesson, but that's okay. Don't ask anybody either. You don't need to know. No, you do need to know. I remember, I remember laying in bed. My, I never even told my husband this because he'd think I was crazy, but I was laying there. Jesus, Jesus, please, will you send an angel tomorrow just to take care of that airplane? Jesus, will you? Oh, God, will you fly with me? Oh, Jesus. God, I don't want to die. Oh, God, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. I need your help, Jesus. I didn't sleep, and I'd wake up and go, oh, I forgot. Jesus, please, you know about that airplane tomorrow. Please, God. Please, God, I have a work to do for you, Jesus. And long after that, I was on another airplane. I was heading to Arizona. And I'm, you know, getting ready to take off, and I'm holding the side of the seat, and I bowed my head. I said, Jesus, this has got to stop. I am so stinking scared. And the Lord rebuked me. He did. He said, you know, I remember a time when, when the, the disciples were really upset because of the storm. Just, why are you so fearful, oh, you little faith? I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay, whatever. And I've never been afraid to fly since. Can't get my husband to buy me a ticket to take me anywhere, but I'm telling no. <laughs> Actually, I'm leaving Wednesday. Yay! Going to Oregon. Could be Hawaii or something, but But Simon Peter, I think it's fascinating that the night before his execution, he's asleep. God has the power to give us peace in our storms. I don't know what you're going through right now. I just have a feeling that maybe somebody's world's kind of rocked. But he can give peace in your storm. Psalm 127 tells us he gives his beloved sleep. And so Simon Peter is probably snoring away. Um, At least one man that I know very well, he likes to snore. Last night he was. I don't think I could have awakened him last night. He was so out of it. Simon Peter is It was. I recognize that snore. <laughs> okay, Ryan. All right. So he's sound asleep the day before his execution. But the angel of the Lord enters into the prison. Now, he must have been invisible to the, to the guards, is all I can figure. He goes into the prison, and let me just say here that angels work at God's bidding. Angels, they don't have power except God gives them power. Don't ask me why God sometimes uses angels. Don't ask me why God sometimes uses us. God's all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. But this particular time, he uses an angel. And the angel comes to the prison, and he shines a light. My guess is he shines the light is probably because it's a dungeon and it's very dark. And he smote Peter on the side. And, you know, I've I've joked about this before, but this guy was so out of it that he had to just kind of 
hit him to try to wake him up. Uh, and he then, that doesn't really do it, so the Bible says that the angel raised him up. It's like he probably gets him by the hands. Get up, kid. Man, God. God. <laughs> he says, arise up quickly. Get up. And when he does that, the chains, these two chains, fall from off the hands of Peter. And then he says, gird yourself. Uh, get your clothes back on, boy. Bind on your sandals. Get those sandals on. Cast your garment about you. Take that, that outer garment. Put it around you and just follow me. Keep your mouth shut and follow me. And so they went out following the angel. And the whole time that this is happening, Simon Peter doesn't really think this is really happening. He just thinks he's seeing a vision. And so he's just he's walking out thinking it's just this clouded dream. Yeah, right, they're going to take my head off tomorrow. And what an awesome dream, but boy, is it just a dream. So they go past the first ward. So they pass some soldiers there. They pass the second ward, pass the soldiers there. Nobody evidently sees them. Isn't it kind of cool to think God could make us invisible? Oh, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, he did. And so they get out past the first ward, past the second ward, and they come to the iron gate of the city. And what I've read, it says that this iron gate to the city took up to 25 men to open. That's a heavy door. And so they get to this iron gate, and the Bible says that it opened to them, the angel and Simon Peter, of his own accord. So this big gate that usually took 25 men to swing open these guys walk up, and all of a sudden, the door just opens up for them. Isn't that, like, cool? Don't you like to walk up to those doors that automatically open? And they make me feel so special. <laughs> I walk up, and they go, yeah. Does anybody think like I think? I mean, I'm weird. I love it. I love it. I love for people to open the door for me. It makes me just think, oh, wow, I am just that and all that and more. Men, if you just understand, if you would open the door for young ladies, what you, how much more they'd love you. Tell my girls, and Josh was really good at this. Erica found a good one. Make sure they open the door for you. Yeah, well, that's good teaching. That's great teaching, matter of fact. And girls, if you're real smart, you'll make sure they open that door. And if they don't, find somebody else. But anyway, the Lord's all about doors opening. So this twin, this door that only that took 25 men to open just opens up for Simon Peter. And they walk through this gate, and the angel disappears. And Simon Peter's like, wait, 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 wait. And he... I don't know what happens, but at some point he's like, oh, wow, <laughs> that wasn't a vision at all. This is for real. Now, the question is, when the angel disappears and Simon Peter realizes it's not a dream, what does he do? And you can imagine being Simon. I have no earth. Oh, is that clock right? Okay, I got to hurry here. He has no earthly idea. What he should do is my guess. First of all, if they spot him, what's going to happen? They probably won't wait till tomorrow morning to take his head off. 
He's an escaped criminal of the Jewish nation. It's not like he has this place he can go to be safe. As I understand it, it's not like they had a church building like Calvary Tabernacle in that day where he could go hide in the communion table. So what does he do? This is fascinating to me. When he considers the thing, he goes to the house of Mary. I want you to think about that. Here's the big name preacher. Here's the guy with the keys to the kingdom. And when he's in trouble and he's trying and, and the angel delivers him and he finally has to do something, where does he go? He goes to the house of Mary. My guess is that he went to the house of Mary because Mary's house was known as a place of prayer. She had a reputation for the things of the Spirit. How many of you know somebody that if your life got rocked today, you would know who to call to pray? Huh? 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 Let me see your hands. Show me your hands. You know who the prayer warriors are. I know exactly who I'd call. I have no question in my mind because I've done it a million times. I know the people that pray. I know, I know that there are people that say they'll pray, but I know that there are people that will pray. And Simon Peter found one of these prayer warriors, and he said, I'm going to her house because my guess is that <laughs> the church is there praying. And that is exactly what was happening. So he goes to the house of Mary where many were gathered together praying and he knocks at the door of the gate. And a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. Rhoda means rose. Uh, they say that very possibly she was not a Jewish person, uh, but that she was probably um, one of the servants in the household of Mary. So she goes to the door. That was her job. It was to stay there to make sure that the place was secure. Remember, the church is under persecution. James has been beheaded. Simon Peter's in prison. And so it was probably even a scary time for this underground, so to speak, prayer meeting. And somebody knocks at the door. And the Bible says that she heard Peter's voice. She knew his voice. But she opened not the gate for gladness. She, she knew what the prayer meeting was about. She heard Peter's voice. She was so stinking excited about the revival that was getting ready to happen that she doesn't open the door. And I'll never forget, <laughs> I studied this one summer, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, you opened the prison doors. You opened a gate that took 25 men. Why don't you just open the silly gate, God? And nobody thinks weird like me. But I'm like, he got her, got her. He got him out of prison. He opens the iron gate to the city. God did. God did. God did. But Peter gets to the gate and he can't get in. I said, God, that is weird. 
And this is the thought that came to me. And I want you to remember this. There are times when God miraculously opens doors. But there are times when you have to open the gates. You need to write that down. You got a piece of paper and a pen. There are times when God will open it. And then there are times when he asks you to open She ran in and she said, he's out there. And they said, you are mad. Now, that wasn't a very nice thing to say to her. You're mad. You are crazy. Have you ever told somebody you're just crazy? Has anybody ever told you some spiritual dream or some spiritual idea and you said, you're crazy? Or in your mind you thought they're crazy? You never know what the Lord might speak to you. And she says, I'm telling you, it's him. I know, I know, I know it's him. And he's standing out there going, would somebody please let me in the door? I'm sure they're after me. You guys are in there praying for me. Would you please open the door? And then they said, it's his angel. The, new, um, the Jews had this belief that everybody had their own personal angel. And, and it's very possible that that's the case. And they also believed that the angel would take on a resemblance like you. Uh, whether or not, uh, I don't know where they got that. But it's one of their beliefs. And so they're like, oh, it's just this angel. Oh, God. But he just keeps knocking. And then the scripture says, and it's kind of sad to me. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished or shocked. They've just been praying for this to happen. But when they see him, Lord, I sure didn't expect this to happen. <laughs> How many of us pray, never expecting it to happen? I will admit, if that would happen, if we would begin to travail and intercede, and believe that he's going to do it. The sad part to me of that verse is that Rhoda didn't open. The call came to a young girl, just probably a servant girl, a girl that I wouldn't have asked to do something. God. I don't think she was a sinner or anything or bad. And this is what she I don't care who you are and how you feel about yourself. There will come times in your life when God will knock on the door and ask you to do something. Don't get carried away by them saying, you're crazy. He'd never use you. Don't get carried away when they say, ah, it's just a figment of your imagination. It's just, it's just something in the spirit world. Don't let anybody else open your door. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I believe more and more the Lord's going to knock on our doors and ask us to do things. I don't want Janae opening my door. I don't want Toby opening. 
why he would know. And then it's not for my good. But it's because God is in my heart. He's big enough to open that gate. He gave someone the opportunity to open to the miracle. Peter comes in and says, you are not going to believe everything that happened. He beckoning unto them with his hand to hold their peace. Because they're all, oh, He declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And I love that. He doesn't say, the angel brought me out. The Lord brought me out. The Lord brought me out. He may use an angel, but it's the Lord. He may use you, but it's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord that does the work. It's not us. It's just he just uses us. And I don't want to be used. I don't want the glory. I just want to be used. And he says, he, he said, the, he declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, now, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. Now, that is not the same James that was beheaded. I just want you all to know that. This is another James. James was actually like the head of the, <clears throat> the church uh, organization. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was the, bro- the brother of Jesus. But don't, oh, you've got this story from recorded. Don't, don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure. And then Simon Peter leaves and goes into another place. And as you can imagine, the prison is up in arms because he's <laughs> I love it. Story goes on, Herod, who was going to have Peter beheaded and had beheaded James, goes to another country and does a little deal in the last chapter, and he doesn't give God any glory until God smites him, and he's eaten of worms and dies. Don't be messing with God's people. Don't be messing with the church that knows how to pray. I wonder what would happen if we'd start getting together and say, we've got a need here. Let's just go to God in prayer. And my also my guess, my last little thought, is that it was the New Testament church. And the New Testament church was filled with the Spirit. And so my guess is that some little old grandma in that prayer meeting was just speaking in tongues, not having an ever-loving clue what she was saying. And, and she was saying, Angel, you open that door. Angel, you open that door. And then another little woman was over there just praying, praying, praying. Get that iron gate open. Open, open, open. You're saying, they didn't say that. No, but maybe in tongues they did. You don't know what you pray when you pray in tongues. God can move miraculously. Stand up. It's only 11.02. I didn't do too bad for a woman. Oh, it could have been a man praying that too. Just wanted to throw that in. I always say women, I I have this bad habit of teaching to women. Or it's a good habit. It's the door that was given to me. And I did open to that one, but there have been some times when I let somebody else open the door. I don't want to do that anymore. Jesus, help us to hear the knock, to hear the call. Know, Jesus, that the God that can open the iron door is the God that will go with us when we open the gate. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us to pray. Help us to... Use everything at our disposal, God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.